Hey guys, welcome to the Infinity Film Podcast. I'm running your host, Roderick Lipshot, and joining me as always is Benjamin Saunders. Hey, hey. So before we get into our actual main show, Ben and I are trying something different. We kind of did this last time for our mailback episode before we got to all the questions. We sort of went over some topics where we talked about what the father and another news topic, and we're kind of we're going to do the same thing here. So before we, you know, we have uh, bring Jacob and and Zach on to do our main topic. We're, we've got some stuff we want to go over. Our first thing up, let's talk about Godzilla versus Kong, the big release that came out last week. Ben, mm-hmm. uh, you and I both had a chance to watch it. We both watched it on HBO Max. Yep. Quick thoughts, Ben. What'd you think? I thought it was a big improvement on godzilla king of the monsters (laughs) where the the human characters and that one were kind of annoying and uh you know not that they're completely necessary here i think they're just kind of filler for the story and then build up but at least they weren't as annoying and there were a few parts i laughed too but the the real big eye catcher here (laughs) was the the action and the battle between the the two giants i'm ting kong so i was really excited to see uh what he brought to the table uh, yeah, you are too as well. Mm. But yeah, the the action was a lot of fun. Really cool to see, and especially there's one in a uh, in a big city with some neon lights that I thought was was done really well. Yeah, the the little in between stuff with the humans I didn't really care for, but when those two main contenders show up on screen, I was I was pretty excited. What about you? Yeah, I I think I probably enjoyed it probably a little bit more than you did. I think going just talk about the humans first. I actually like the Kong stuff with the humans, with Rebecca Hall's character and the uh, the young deaf young deaf girl played by Kaylee Hoddle. She, I thought their kind of their relationship I actually quite enjoyed, and then the little girl's relationship with Kong was kind of sweet. And this is really kind. This is we really need to rename this Kong featuring Godzilla because this is really a <laughs> Kong movie. Yeah, I know people have been saying that a lot, but it's it's kind of true. I mean, Godzilla's in it. Don't worry, but this is really a Kong film. The Godzilla stuff, I mean, I, I wasn't really the human characters. They were like Kyle Chandler didn't need to be in this movie at all. No. He was just, <laughs> I mean, that, that's that was just sell more tickets, I guess. I I, I guess Ben, I don't know. Yeah, uh, it, he felt out of place. Well, not out of place, just felt useless, really. Yep. And uh, Millie Bobby Brown too. I love Millie Bobby Bob, that Millie Bobby Brown, but they don't do anything with her character, man. It's just like, let's have her hang out with this other annoying, this annoying kid and a podcast guy who actually, Brian Tyree, I actually kind of liked. I thought he actually had some kind of funny moments here and there. He had a few. Um, Him and Julian Dennison had a few funny lines. Yeah, they had some nice little back and forth together. But really, and then what really pissed me off was I didn't even know Lance Reddick was in this. And then he (laughs) pops up and I'm like. For four seconds. (laughs) Huh? Yeah. Some stuff must have been cut. I guess, man. Really, <laughs> release, <laughs> release no, the wing guard cut. <laughs> stop. We don't have to do that every week. <laughs> but like you said, the highlights of the action sequences. Look, no matter how dumb and silly it is, the monster stuff really works here. And I think actually, Adam Wingard understands this universe probably the best, along with yeah. Gareth Edwards. I actually mm-hmm. thought Gareth. I still think Gareth Edwards, uh, Godzilla's, a very good movie. Mm-hmm. I still think it's the best made film of the four. But I think just in terms of the overall package, what we expect from a MonsterVerse film and everything, entertainment value, Kong, Godzilla vs. Kong kind of out, out, uh, exceeds all of them. A much, like you said, an improvement over King of the Monsters, which you and I both have shared our displeasure for. It's not a, not a good movie. Yep. It's, it's fun, man. It's a fun movie. The fights live up to the hype. The third act is a blast. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it's I've watched I've watched it now twice. I want the next time I watch, I want to see it in the theater. Yeah, I feel like it's meant to be seen in a theater with the crowd. And one more thing, one more thing before we move on to I was just looking on my AMC site, even though I wasn't haven't been going back to the back to the theater. I still want to look, see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Sold out everywhere, man. So wow, I'm, really? I'm, yeah, all the Dolby and IMAX screenings cool. were getting sold out. And I get it limited capacity and everything, but still, that's a yeah. that's a good sign. Yeah, that's a good sign. Yeah, I did see it was the highest grossing uh, since the the pandemic started. What gross like what, 40, 50 million over the Easter weekend? Which yeah, is I great. Think, I think fifty in the states. Yeah. I wish Black Widow didn't move because obviously I, I feel like it probably would have been fine. But I, yeah, you know Disney, they gotta get as much money as they can, and I feel like you know that coming in July would have helped. So yeah, I give I give it when I reviewed it on my personal film page, I gave it a seven and a half out of ten. I, I stand by that rating. Also, to the score by Junkie XL was also really good. Yep. Really good score. Not Maybe not as good as the Snyder Cut score, but it's still a good score. All right. Well, speaking of Black Widow, Ben, we did get some uh, a whole bunch of new trailers, and let's talk about that Black Widow trailer first. We were actually just getting off doing a Liga, Liga Cinephiles thing, and I put on my store. I was like, oh, my God, Black Widow trailer. And I was kind of watching it. Best trailer to put out so far, man. Mm-hmm. Best trailer to put out. Yep. And I'm, I I was curious if they're going to put out a trailer this early because the movie's not coming out until July. I thought they would have waited to like maybe May, like Memorial Day weekend, mm-hmm. closer to release. But you kind of you have to start the marketing now, so I get it. But I loved it, man. Yep. And I I told you too, because you didn't watch the trailer yet. I was like, the, the, third, the first 30 seconds is just kind of, you know, scenes from previous films, but it works yeah. so well. I got a feeling, man, we're, we're probably not going to cry as much as uh, our, our our friend Kenneth, the, the, the diehard Black Widow fan, <laughs> but... Yep. This this movie is for the Black Widow fans, and you we, you and I are both you know we we love Scarlett's portrayal. She's mm-hmm. a top five MCU character for me. I'm glad she's finally getting her due, man. I'm really I'm my enthusiasm, my excitement's back to where it was uh, for Black Widow because I was kind of like you know yeah I'm excited for Black Widow. I'm still excited, but I wasn't like because of all the delays and COVID. Now I'm excited. That trailer was kick ass. It was awesome. It wasn't my favorite trailer though that that has come out recently, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. What were your thoughts on the uh, Black Widow trailer? Interesting. Yeah, I, I loved it as well. I'm kind of uh, wary these days of watching trailers because I'm like, I'm going to see it anyway. And right. uh, especially with stuff getting delayed, I was like, you know, there's not many trailers coming out. So I was like, I'm, this is a good time to start doing that. But I need my Marvel fix. So <laughs> I hopped yeah. on and watched that. And yeah, it, it looks awesome. Just like uh, I'd, I'd hoped it was going to be. And this trailer really, like you said, uh, I think it balances the emotional side as well. And it, it really showed that well. And then of course the awesome action and uh, some, some good old Marvel comedy sprinkled in. So, yeah. And then the, the cast too. Uh, I think each person gets a little more shown in this yep. trailer, David Harbor, Rachel Vice, and of course, Florence Pugh. So super excited. I got a feeling, man, Florence Pugh is going to outshine all of these guys. Think so? I just I have that yeah. feeling, man. I I feel like her character is more important to this movie than we're probably than we than we mm-hmm. the movie's letting on. Yeah, and I know she's she's supposed to appear in Hawkeye. I I, I still I I know there's a, there's a rumor she might appear in Falcon Winter Soldier. Hmm. I don't know if that's a true or not, but there's yeah. been, there were rumors last year that she maybe has been sighted on set. So I'm curious if she's kind of a secret character. I don't know because do they really want to introduce her in this and not in Black Widow first? So. Right. Yeah, I I doubt that rumor is true, but we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm excited for Florence Pugh because her career kind of has been taken off these last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was Black Widow. Did you watch the Loki trailer, by the way? Yes, I did. All right, so Loki, real quick, what'd you think? I like the trailer a lot. 
Oh, I actually saw the shortened version, I guess, during the uh, the March Madness championship game. But um, yeah, it was cool. It's still, <laughs> I love Owen Wilson. It was a, it's a little weird to see him here. I just kind of feel it like, is. you know, he's, you know, wow, you messed up the timeline. Wow. <laughs> but I'm, I'm excited to see what, what he does. And uh, yeah, I'm, I am, I'm hyped for the, uh, the different timeline <laughs> and different eras he's going to go oh, through yeah. and stuff. So I think that'll be really cool. I, 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 I've always had this concern with Loki. I just hope people realize this takes place in an alternate timeline. Yeah. That takes place in that timeline where the event where, you know, Tony, Cap, Scott, and Hulk were when they went back in time in the end game. I hope they kind of, I hope the first, one of the first scenes is that end game scene where we see Loki take the test track. That yeah. I think that'll help clear a lot of things up. Yeah, I bet it will be. Yeah, that, I thought the look trailer was great. Looking forward to it. The rumors are already starting. Some people are saying that looks like Black Widow, Lady Loki. I think I'm pretty sure it's Lady Loki, not Black Widow. We'll see though. I've been wrong before, but in terms of like speculation, this, this it's, I think it's going to go back to WandaVision level, not Falcon Winter Soldier level. So, <laughs> yes, yeah. be prepared for that. What trailer do you, let's talk about Corella, another Disney property. Ben and I have, I think we've talked about it before on this podcast, Ben. We're really looking forward to it because of Emma Stone. Yeah. Great actress, of course. The first couple of trailers didn't really do it for me. I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, sure. Shit, well, fine. I like this trailer a lot. I really did. And this, this trailer made it really feel like this is their version of Joker. I don't know why, man, but it was something about this trailer. I was like, or they're really doing their own version of Joker for some reason with a little bit of phantom thread with the costumes and everything also. So we're still looking forward to it. You, you mentioned Emma Thompson also before we started, yeah. we started recording. So it's nice to have some other actress royalties in there too. Like, mm-hmm. like Emma Thompson, but really I'm probably I'm not going to lie, Ben, I probably won't mind spending the 30 bucks to watch it on Disney plus. I, you know, but I'm looking forward to it. It's Emma Stone. So I color me intrigued. I'm, I'm, it's not my top 20 most anticipated films of the year, but I'm, I'm sure yeah. it'll be a fun time. But it could surprise me like Cinderella because Cinderella also didn't do that for me, the trailer-wise, but then Cinderella came out and I was like, oh, okay, it was that good. So maybe this will have a Cinderella treatment. That's true. Yeah, I agree. Cinderella is one of the better live-action remakes. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested with the Battle of the Emmas. <laughs> I think it was cool to see Emma Stone in that first kind of teaser, and then we get a little more Emma Thompson in this one, which I'm yeah. excited for also. So I'm interested. I'm not as impressed as you are, I think, but mm. but yeah, I'm gonna I'll be there, and it'll take a little use getting used to with her with the British accent, Emma Stone. Yeah, um, but I, I, I she has the the chops to do it. So absolutely, we'll, we'll see. Let's talk about um, this Space Jam trailer because I I don't I'm not sure where you followed the first Space Jam. I like it. I'm not in love with it, but I enjoy this the first Space Jam quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I've been excited for this one because one, I'm a Lakers fan, so of course, King seeing King James or LeBron James for all of you don't know who King James what King James means, LeBron James in there. LeBron James actually kind of has some acting chops. If you haven't seen Trainwreck, he's actually kind of funny in Trainwreck. Yeah, but now he's the leading the leading man in a Space Jam movie. All right, I'm in. I'm, I'm not gonna lie though, and I think someone else said it too on YouTube. I got some serious Ready Player One vibes with that trailer. Yes. And I was like, what? No, what, what is this? Is this Space Jam or Ready Player One? Yeah. I mean, they, they even had to come out with a whole separate video just on the Easter eggs just in the trailer. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, oh, how many Easter eggs are going to be in this movie? Am I going to see Space Jam 2 like five times just to see everything? <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited. Basketball movie. I, I'm looking forward to it. Looks a little cheesy. 
but it's Space Jam, so where do you know? Where I, I'm, I'm excited to see all the other famous basketball stars like Damian Lillard and some others. So should be a fun time. And when was the last time we seen the Looney Tunes? And I think the last time I actually saw the Looney Tunes that was that movie with Brendan Fraser back in action back in like 2002, 2003. I don't know if it's been that long, but yeah, yeah. it's been a while. Yeah, I, uh, I can. It's a little cheesy looking to me. I think it's a neat idea that they're bringing him into. I kind of forget if they did this in the first one. They bring him into the 2D world and then uh, LeBron James. And then mm-hmm. they're bringing the tunes into the 3D world kind of too. So that's yeah, interesting, I guess. But yeah, the whole Ready Player One, I was not really, I'm not really looking forward to that. I, I got to say, I feel like it's a little too much. I don't know. It's a neat idea, I guess, with some of the characters. But then you got the guys from Clockwork Orange in there cheering them on and it just yeah all, i think pennywise is there were, also pennywise, i think yeah. king kong and iron, i think i saw iron giant was iron yep. giant in that yes yeah he was. so uh yeah i'm sure and, you're gonna see a whole lot of one of those properties yeah. the matrix guys are also in it too matrix oh yeah are also in it. yeah <laughs> uh i don't know it just seems like a little it's an interesting idea i guess uh, we'll, we'll have to see how it plays out but I, I feel like it's a little too much and as excited as i am for theaters and everything and if i see it in theaters yay I can watch this on HBO Max also. I, yeah. I can watch this from the comfort of my home theater in the basement. I, I, I can, yeah, I can skip this theater experience. But yep. knowing me, I'll probably be dumb and go see it in theaters anyway. <laughs> and I, I really hope that uh, Bill Murray has a surprise cameo in it. That'll be, that'll be something. I don't know if he would. If, if Bill Murray's going to come up, you got to bring MJ back also. You got to bring MJ back. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, but we'll sure. see. Get the whole crew. Yep. All right. Last trailer we'll talk about is. Um, so let's a little background. Taylor Sheridan ben, has written and directed some of my favorite movies. I know you've liked a couple of these already, but Sicario, which you know is one of my favorite movies of all time. Love Sicario. He wrote that. Right. Wrote Hell or High Water, which you and I both love. And then of course he had his directorial, well, not his directorial but debut, but his second directorial effort with Wind River, mm-hmm. which you and I have both stated on this podcast. If you haven't seen Wind River and if you're an Elizabeth Olsen fan, yeah. you have to watch this movie yep spectacular also recommend yellowstone i've only seen the first season but that's really good too with uh, yeah you know what? i have i have peacock and i know it's on peacock i just i got so much other stuff i gotta watch sure yeah but i i i've heard so many good things about yellowstone yeah it's really good family drama on the farm yeah. oh yes that sounds <laughs> I, you know what when i because i first i got yellowstone mixed up with that the ranch with ash and kutcher on netflix <laughs> i was like yeah is that the same is that the same show so that's very different very different yeah and then of course he wrote sicario david soldado which not as good as the first sicario not gonna right. lie but it's, it's fine you know benicio del toro and josh brolin definitely saved that movie and then he doing without he's writing without remorse with michael b jordan this year which i am looking that that first trailer was amazing and of course, it's Michael B. Jordan. So, I mean, come on now. But he's got this movie coming out called Those Who Wish Me Dead, who I didn't even know about this movie until I saw the poster yesterday. Same. And I was like, huh, Taylor Sheridan directing this? Okay, okay. Well, we'll see. It'll be a nice little indie, indie flick in the summer of all the minutes of all these blockbusters. Wow. That trailer was fantastic. Mm-hmm. That was an awesome trailer, man. And, <laughs> yeah. hold, and hold on. I got to give a shout out. To my boy Tyler Perry. When yeah. Tyler Perry is not dressing up as Medea, this man can actually <laughs> do that can actually act. Mm-hmm. If you haven't watched Gone Girl, first of all, what are you doing? Why listen to the podcast? Go watch Gone Girl. But he has some scene stealing uh lines in it. 
Now he's playing this shady FBI, CIA agent, whatever you want to call him. But this has that same feel of Heller Highwater and, and Wind River combined, man. I'm, yeah. And it also kind of has the gritty violence of Sicario. Mm-hmm. So I I am fascinated by this, man. I This is now a top five most anticipated film of the year for me because I love Taylor Sheridan so much. First of all, it's great seeing Angelina Jolie come back and doing some acting also because it's been a minute since we've seen her acting. Yeah. She's been doing Eternal Blade this year also. So, mm-hmm. But then you got Nicholas Holt and John, the great character actor John Bernthal. Who, yeah. I feel like he's in a lot of stuff. And we just like, if we ever did an actor spotlight on John Bernthal, that'd be like <laughs> a five-hour episode because he's he's a great character actor. Mm-hmm. Man. Was that Aiden Gillen too showing up? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Brian Tyler is composing this movie too, which I love Brian Tyler. I think he's an underrated oh, composer. Sweet. Yeah. So, I mean, you got a great cast. Led by Angelina, the great Angelina Jolie. So then I, this might be amidst the Black Widows, amidst the Space Jams, amidst the Fast and Furious Nines, amidst everything else that's coming out this summer. This might be the best movie of the summer. Mm, that's a bold, it has the potential. Uh, it has the potential. Bold, uh, yeah, bold statement there. Yeah, I, I saw your post about it, uh, raving about it, and I was like, hmm, we'll see how this is. And I was watching it, and at the beginning, I was kind of like, you know, I don't know where this is going. This is kind of. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. But then, like you said, t- Taylor Sheridan's name popped up, and I was like, "Ooh, okay, all right, I'm in." And then uh, kept seeing the cast, and yeah, it looks like it's it's got some good drama and uh, really good action too. And my favorite color is orange as well. And there's a lot of orange in this trailer. A lot of orange. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm excited for it too. I don't know. Uh, I don't know about best of the summer, but uh, but we'll see. I, I do think it has, it has a potential. It has yeah, the potential. Yeah, yeah. At least to be. I I, I just have this feeling, man, because. When you put Taylor Sheridan's name attached to anything, it's usually pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think his one clunker so far has been Davis Aldado, and that's actually still a solid movie. So, yeah, I, I, if you guys don't know much about Taylor Sheridan, watch his stuff. Just look him up, rent his stuff, watch it wherever you can. Man's man, the genius. Yeah, so that will do it for us on the. I want to call this. I want to call this the Infinity Film Rundown. I think I've called it that before couple of times i'm gonna like stick that. with that though yeah the infinity film rundown this will be our pre-show before the actual show so yeah enjoy our main segment all right welcome back ladies and gentlemen to another episode of the infinity film podcast i am one of your hosts roder glip thank you for joining joining coming back to the greatest film podcast on planet earth and as always never do these shows alone and joining me as always is my wonderful friend and bet and great co-host mr benjamin saunders ben how you doing today buddy hey hey doing good rod i've had foreigners stuck in my head all day because this feels like the first time for these directors thanks to jacob for that <laughs> intro and speaking of we have two special guests with us today first up jacob how you doing buddy Oh yeah, thanks for I'm doing good. Thanks for using my intro, Ben. I I, I co-wrote it, I guess. I suppose mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. were together. It, we, it was a group project. The like these group projects on this podcast are so much more fun than the ones I did in college. So I'm oh, really for thankful sure. for that. For sure, they go by a lot quicker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, maybe not for the Star Wars episode, though. Maybe not. <laughs> That's true. Oh yeah, we got another guest. Yeah. Hey Zach, how you doing, man? <laughs> now it's joining us again, our great friend Zach Zell this year. What's going on, Zach? What's up, man? Uh I never did group projects. I just sat in the back of the class and listened to music. So and I you never went to guy. college. So I was that guy. But I'm glad to be here. 
cool, cool. Don't uh, don't start listening to music and then walk away from the camera on us today. But uh, yeah, we get oh, oh and there he, he is. He's gone. <laughs> took the camera off for the uh, the listening audience. Um, anyway, Ben, we are talking about directorial debuts. Yes, indeed. And I made a list of what 10, 15, 20, 30 films. We narrowed it down to 10 and sent the list out to, to Zach and Jacob, and they all chose a film. So we broke, we're going to break this episode up into categories mm-hmm. acting, uh, screenplay, soundtrack, musical score, emotional impact, and then our final thoughts. And then you guys listening at home or in the car or at the gym or wherever can vote on who. Gave the best argument Exciting. for the best directorial debut, mm-hmm. and the winner gets pride. But anyway, let's not waste too much more time. Before we get started with that, let's uh, share our films we're going to be talking about today. So, Zach, what film have you chosen for uh, to, to debate today? I chose the 2018 terrifying masterpiece by Ari Aster, Hereditary. Ah, uh, yes, Ari Aster's Hereditary. A movie I did not appreciate on first watch, but loved it on my second watch. How dare you? But at least you appreciate it now. Ben, what <laughs> film have you chosen for us today? Uh, well, Hereditary, I guess I always appreciated it, maybe, because it scared the pants off me, so it worked. But today I went with 2014's Nightcrawler from Dan Gilroy. Ah, uh, yes. The film that's uh, that Jake Gyllenhaal got snubbed for an Oscar for. Yes. Yes, indeed. Mm-mm-mm. And Jacob, what film have you chosen for us today? Well, I went with one of the coming-of-age masterpieces probably from like the last 10 years, directed by Kelly Freeman Craig, and that's The Edge of 17. Bravo, Jacob. Nice. Bravo. Bravo. Really proud of you. Oh, it's so good. I Shame, was on, you to get that Shame on you, too. Shame <laughs> on you, too. Shame on you, too. You know what, Ben? You, you're, you're my co-host, so you, you get a pass. Shame on you, Zach. Shame on you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that's pretty shameful. It has Haley Steinfeld, so it's just like that's already Jacob already wins. So, <laughs> all right, well, that will do it for us, guys. So you can find us on it. Oh, okay, Rod, what did you choose for today? I went with Captain America. The one. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I went with Bradley Cooper's masterpiece, A Star Is Born. Hey, hey, hey! Don't make that face. It's a goddamn bloody masterpiece. I don't care what one says. So we'll get to that later. All right. Why do we put this guy on our show? Why, 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 why do we do this, Ben? Why do we do this? I don't know. It always starts out well. But then, uh, <laughs> good intentions. <laughs> so who wants to go first? Should we flip a coin? Should we uh, draw a name for a four, A four-sided coin? Let's let uh, one of our guests go first. Let's let you know let's put since Zach's feeling himself, block. let's let Zach go first. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's <laughs> let Zach go first since he's feeling himself. Okay. And, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's, our uh, first category is acting. Okay. acting. This is the category for the movie, if I'm being honest. Yes, you said Jake Gyllenhaal got snubbed, but in all honesty, Tony Collette is the biggest snub of all time for the Oscars. She deserved that nomination. We can get into how the Academy hates horror. We can get into that they just constantly snubbed them. But Tony Collette's performance in that film it's just heartbreaking, tragic, and so heart. Just, it's in my heart every time I watch it. It's just like in my chest. I feel it in my throat. And she's just so good in that movie. And then I forgot the, the kid's name, but I know he's off the Naked Brothers band. <laughs> but he plays, 
There we go. He plays. Try to win a debate, right? So don't bring up the Decker Brothers band. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be some nostalgia, okay? <laughs> well, get that Nickelodeon crap. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I didn't expect much from him, but he totally knocked it out next to Tony. Them, their back and forth is incredible. Everything they like, they were just really the stars of the show. And then you got the newcomer with the daughter. I forgot her name too, but she plays the daughter of Tony Collette, and she is terrifying throughout the entire movie and she doesn't even like have to be it's just the story and just everything going around her and then going around Tony Collette it's filled with grief it deals with trying to overcome that grief and then just family history and it's just perfectly told and Tony Collette just knocks it out so in all honesty I really think that the acting in Hereditary is the best part of the movie well, Zachary, you bring up some very great points. And I do agree with you that Tony Collette did get snubbed. But saying she's the biggest snub of them all. No, 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 no. Jake Gyllenhaal for Nightcrawler, which Ben's going to talk about here in a second. And Amy Adams for Arrival. Also, another big uh, Over Tony, I don't know, man. Tony's just so great in the movie. Like, she is just so good. It like. She is still talked about today, like or after the movie. She is still talked about how she got snubbed. So, yes, Amy is that way. Amy Adams, but come on, Tony Collette kills it. I feel like Tony Collette, just as an actress, doesn't get the respect she deserves. Man, she's so good in just everything she's in too. I mean, Hereditary is probably her crown jewel, right? As of right now, you know, but. Man, ever since I think the first thing I remember seeing her in was the Sixth Sense as the mom. Ever yeah. since then, I, I've loved her. You know, she's so good, and she's yeah. really good when she gets in those horror films. I think that's kind of her. She she's got a niche there that's really great. But yeah, she's awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Jacob, for helping me win this debate and proving my point why Tony Collette is the best actress working today. It's a it's a it's a friendly. I know debate. we ain't going there. I know we ain't going there. Oh no 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 no. Dakota no. Johnson, who like come on, Tony Collette. It's just I don't think that, Dakota Johnson is the greatest actress working today. Uh, I think that's Amy Adams. I mean, Lois Lane. That's all I gotta say. But that's I, I'm not. You, gonna you're gonna be that. shit on your own DC, DC universe now, Zach. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm getting at. Uh, no, you heard it here first, y'all. You, y'all heard it here first. But she's not my favorite part of the movie. So maybe if maybe if Tony Collette was Lois Lane, it'd be a lot better. But <laughs> yeah, okay. Maybe it's a better screenwriters and give Amy some better script. All right. Yeah. yeah. You can blame me what you want, Rod. Then we're going to have to have an impromptu meeting after this about uh, having this guy on our show. All right. Anyway, Ben, why don't you go next, my friend, and uh, oh, put Zach in his right. place? All right. Well, I'm actually going to say Jake for the big one. Uh, I'll talk about the, the supporting characters first. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. got talk about underrated also Bill Paxton. He's always mm. super uh, charismatic and, and pretty funny whenever he shows up um, and he, he shows off his shops here. Uh, he's really good. We got Renee Russo as well. She does really good as Nina and uh, kind of, you know, controlling and she's in that uh, that leadership role. She does real well. We got Riz Ahmed. I think this is the first one I saw him in. Um, For a lot of people, I think it was. Yeah. And then, of course, he showed his acting chops off even more in Sound of Metal recently, which was excellent. But you can you can oh, see nice the roots of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can see the roots of it here. He plays Rick. 
who is hired by our central character here in Nightcrawler, Lou Bloom, played by Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm a big fan of Jake Gyllenhaal. I think he has a bunch of really good roles, but here he's exceptional walking around the the city at night and um, you know filming all these crazy scenes and even uh, maybe maybe setting up some himself to promote his <laughs> his character. And I've seen him in interviews too say that he wanted to be like a coyote. And that's just perfect. I can feel that come across the screen where he's kind of, he's a little hunched over and he's, I mean, it looks like he's creeping around all the time. And yeah, just the way the the writing is excellent, which I know we'll get to later, but the way he delivers lines too, especially when he's, he's talking to Riz and, you know, saying like, don't, don't answer my question with another question. And he just sells that. And it's, it's even kind of, <laughs> you want to laugh sometimes at, at what he says because it's funny but then it's also dark and creepy and so you're a little scared too but and, and he, he sells all that really well so yeah i definitely think he was uh definitely snubbed at the at the oscars there but yeah that's lou bloom for you all right thank you benjamin see zach that's how it's done that's how it's done zach i mean there was no yeah. there was no shitting on amy adams there right? he, he stuck to his points that's true. That's true. He did. He respected everybody. So that's right. That's, that's right. true. That's I'm just a little bit. I'm just a little bit time. more <laughs> hostile and passionate for my Tony Collette. That's all. That's all. I'm yeah, say. very hostile. I was, I was going to call the cops for a second, but anyway, <laughs> uh, I love giving Zach a hard time. Jacob, you're up next, my friend. Although, like all your guys' movies, this movie has a really good cast as well. Um, you know, I mean, one of the, I think. You know, she's always appearing in good stuff as, as Kira Sedgwick. She's a great, interesting mother character here, you know, in the edge of 17. She's kind of, I feel like she's kind of got an identity crisis in this movie a lot. She's, you know, definitely plays favorites, but she she has this really interesting relationship with Haley Steinfeld's character that kind of pushes the movie forward and they have a lot of in- great scenes together, really great acting scenes. Kira Cedric's always really good in no matter what she shows up in. And um, another person in this movie that I think is really underrated is uh, Haley Lou Richardson. You don't really hear a lot of people talk about her that often. And I think this might've been the first thing I saw her in, um, but she's really good in this film as the best friend. Uh, you know, I think I've seen girls and other people with friends like that character, the one she plays and, and she's great in this film. I hope we get to see her in more in the future too. Cause like I say, she's somebody that's so underrated, but um, I, a guy I love no matter what movie he's in is Woody Harrelson. And he's so awesome in this film. I actually, I, I went to this Q and a a couple years ago at when at my college at Iowa state and Woody Harrelson was doing this Q and a, it was so cool. I got to ask him a question actually about Kingpin, uh, which is like the most random movie you, I could ask him. And I asked him if he was actually a good bowler and he laughed, but it was really, it was really cool. And I, I've just looked up to Woody Harrelson for a long time. And I think this is one of my favorite performances by him because of how down to earth it is. I've known guys growing up that are just like the teacher Woody Harrelson plays in this film. You know, these people that are, kind of like tough guys on the outside they have kind of a hard exterior but they're people that when you talk to them they listen and then they really care about you and they kind of slowly show it as he does his character does in this film and as it goes on and it just 
that's one of my favorite things about this movie because I've had relationships like that with teachers or mentors, people older than me, and friendships that are just really special to me. And I thought Woody Harrelson nailed that supporting role in this film. But of course, the lady of the hour, maybe of this decade, we'll see what she does, is Haley Steinfeld. And I remember when I saw this movie, I, uh, I didn't really... I knew who Haley Steinfeld was and I knew she was a good actress because I saw her in the true grit remake. And I remember that was my first exposure to her. And she was awesome in that. I, I I'm a big, big fan of the original true grit, but like, I like her performance more in that movie than the OG uh, actress. I can't remember her name right now, but, but yeah, she blew me away. She, I, she was amazing. I think she blew a lot of people out of the way, but I think I didn't realize how good Haley Steinfeld was until I saw the edge of 17, because that put her on the map for me rather than her just being like a child actress who might be around for a while. Then we forget about her 10 years from now. I think the edge of 17 was the movie where I was like, okay, this Haley Steinfeld's serious. She's here to stay and she's going to be in movies for years to come. And she steals this film. She's so good. And I think she does a good job playing a really relatable teen. Uh, You know, I I think this movie is going to be timeless because of her performance. I think a lot of people are going to watch this film and relate to it just because of how good she is. And uh, she carries the movie really well, but all the performances all around are really good. But I, like, I think, I think the two standouts for me are definitely Haley Seinfeld and Woody Harrelson. Yeah, their back and forth, Jacob, was the highlight of the movie for me. I mean, that's, that's just an incredible back and forth they have. I think there was one scene where she was like, or no, she had that, she was sending that sex to that guy. And then she asked the teacher to, uh, to read it or whatever. And Harrelson <laughs> just goes, I think you have, a, you have a few run on uh, run on sentences or something like that. And I was like, oh, this is like the best worst teacher ever. He's, he's so funny. He's, he's so that's such a bad teacher, but um, some really standout moments. So yeah, a star is born. You know what? You know what, Zach? You know what, Zach? I'm gonna change your mind about a star is born. I'm gonna change your mind. Right, no, no, so I like back. the movie. I like the movie. Don't get me wrong. I well, love so the movie. Sit back, relax, and okay. enjoy the show. All right, I'm enjoy Here my we food, go. and we'll see this. Yeah, there you go. Before I get to the the two leads, Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, let me talk about Sam Elliott, who plays uh, Bradley Cooper's brother, uh, Bobby. <laughs> he's he's bare. Well, I want to say barely. That's really Dave Chappelle's character. He's in the scene for like one movie. But there is a there is a scene with him and Bradley Cooper when they're driving back from rehab, and it's just it's this interaction when they get out of the car, and Sam Elliott's just facial expressions and everything. It's just. That's an Oscar worthy. That's that's Oscar worthy right there. Just the way he's backing out, holding in his tears. I mean, I I felt that because you you I love when movies you know show don't tell. You can get a whole lot of their backstory just from them bickering and arguing, or just the way they look at each other. They don't spend a whole lot of time like oh yeah, did this explaining why they're kind of bitter towards each other sometimes, or the whole thing about stealing your voice. And I, I love that about this movie. So I thought Sam Elliott did a really, really great job. And if, if it wasn't from Rehearsal Ali that year, I think Sam Elliott probably would have got the Oscar. But, you know, Rehearsal Ali was just on another level. And then I'll mention Dave Chappelle. <laughs> he has one. I was expecting a whole lot more from him. But in the, the one scene he is in, I got to say, he uh, I thought he killed it. And it wasn't just the whole speech. It was just the you could tell their history, him and Jackson's history. Jackson is Bradley Cooper's character, if you guys didn't know. 
So I, I enjoyed watching his scene. But as much as I want to gush about the supporting characters, this is really about Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. This, this is their movie. This is their time to shine. And honestly, I wasn't that surprised by Bradley Cooper because Bradley Cooper's a great actor. And he's shown that even before this movie with stuff like Limitless and American Hustle. You know, I'm glad he's kind of gotten rid of that hangover persona. Lady Gaga, though, my goodness. I did not expect this from her. And I think I don't know if I don't know if there's anybody here who watches American Horror Story, um, but apparently she's an Amer- she's an American Horror Story, right, Zach? And apparently she's actually pretty solid in that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that was like her first kind of like major role. She was the season five hotel, and she was really good. She was that. good. At, yes, I, yeah. I I don't watch American Horror Story, but I've heard she was good. So coming out of this, I was like, holy crap! Just just so much range, and I love she doubts herself constantly. By the way, by her appearance, the, you know, her singing. I mean, I, I love that scene when she's about to go on stage and she's like, I don't want to go. Do I go? And then when she's actually on stage and she's she's singing and yet she's still kind of hiding her face. I think she sells the chemistry more with Bradley Cooper than Bradley Cooper did with, you know, you guys get what I'm trying to say here. I just thought she just she brought so much passion and emotion to the role. So this is this is a spoiler warning here. Just. Her reaction to Jackson's death, that that broke me. Uh, the way she was just kind of wandering around the house, smashing, you know, smashing the glass portraits and everything and having that talk with Bobby. I, I just, again, I, I really did not expect this from her, especially I'm, I'm surprised Bradley Cooper was able to get this out of her, truthfully. And I think that's a credit to Bradley Cooper. And speaking of Bradley Cooper, man, this man could play a great drunk. A really, really great drunk. And, the, and there's one scene I always go back to, and it's the uh, award show. And he is just, I mean, this this man is crossfitted. I mean, he is, he, is, he is out of it. And she wins the award, and he's going up there trying to kind of, you know, pull himself together. But it, then he starts pissing on himself. And it's just, I'm going to talk about this more when we get to the writing portion, but just that awkwardness. It, it all just it all works because of Cooper and the way he portrays that alcoholic side of him. And then that argument scene with Lady Gaga on the tub. There's there's actually a, well, I'll say that for the screenwriting portion, but just that those two bickering back and forth. It was perfect. But what I love most about these two together, you they sell you from when he first meets her in that club that they they were that he truly, truly cared and loved about loved Allie. I thought Cooper saw, yeah, Cooper sold that extremely well. So yeah, I, I was actually rooting for Gaga to get the Oscar. I forgot who won it that year. Uh, I'm not surprised Cooper didn't win it because he was going up against Rami. But yeah, I, 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 there's really four really great performances in this. I mean, all the performances are great, but there are four standouts to me. And also the guy who plays Ali's uh, father, I'm, I'm before I forget Andrew Dice Clay, really really funny. He has he's kind of he's almost kind of the comic relief of the whole film. Olivia Coleman won for the favorite that year. That's right. That's who it was. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of a losing battle. She was really good in the favorite. <laughs> that was a losing battle. I really like that movie. It's really good. And I agree with all the, the things Rod said. The performances in it are awesome. I was also thinking, man, it's kind of funny there are like two random comedians in that movie. You have Andrew Dice Clay and Dave Chappelle, and they're yeah. 
they're two guys. I'm like, man, I want to see these guys act more, you know, why aren't they in more movies? But because uh, I think the only thing I remember seeing Dave Chappelle in was the guy who insults Eddie Murphy in The Nutty Professor. <laughs> I think that's the only <laughs> other movie I remember him in. But I love Dave Chappelle. He should be in more films like maybe someday he will be. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, it's an all around and Sam Elliott, too. I, I don't even think he got him. Did he get a supporting actor nomination? He did. Um, he, he, did he lost win. to Marshall Ali. He did. Oh, okay. Cause you, you were all oh, right. You said that. I'm sorry, but yeah, right. he, he, he's somebody who his whole career, I feel like has always been grinding and is somebody that's always good. You know, Sam Elliott, they'll never be another Sam Elliott. He's just got that iconic voice and that iconic mustache. You know, he's so cool. The first thing I ever saw Sam Elliott was that Angley's Hulk movie back in 2003. Oh, yeah, he's Thunderbolt he Ross. That, yeah, he played Thunderbolt Ross. He was actually a pretty good Thunderbolt Ross, not going to lie. He was. Yeah, he he fit that character pretty well. And and I love him in, like, Tombstone and The Big Lebowski. And, yeah, Ghost Rider. Yeah, Ghost Rider. He's fun in <laughs> Ghost Rider, too. He was, he was pretty badass in Ghost Rider. Yeah, that fire horse, it's cool. <laughs> oh, before before we move on, uh, Rafi Gavron, who plays Ali's manager, guy knows how to play a real dick. That's all I'll say. That I mean that guy's the biggest asshole. Guy. Yeah, the biggest asshole world award. <laughs> For real dude. That that guy was a that guy was a piece of he was something. He was something. Well, a funny story, not to undercut the uh the powerful performance, like you said in the beginning with uh, Sam Elliott uh driving Bradley Cooper's character back from rehab. Mm-hmm. Uh and it really yeah, it, that whole scene was very powerful. But uh the the first time I watched it with my friends, I think we had the bass turned up a little too high um from some of the other action movies we watched. And uh, Bradley, you know, steps out of the car and says something and closes the door. And we were sitting there and for a couple seconds. And I was like, I was like, I got to ask. I was like, what did he say? And my friends were like, we have no idea. So we had to rewind and play it again. (laughs) But yes, the acting was definitely terrific there. Cooper had a couple of those moments. I was like, because the first time I saw it, I saw it was my mom. And I was like, hey, what do you remember? Did you hear what he said? And my mom's like, no idea. So. I, I want to see him play a drunk and Jeff Bridges play a drunk in the oh same movie. Oh my God! Wouldn't that oh, be nice? With Nick Nolte in oh, the background. No, no, oh God! <laughs> Nick Nolte not From, drunk, just uh, normal. What was the movie with Tom Hardy? Uh, oh, Warrior. The Warrior. Yeah, yeah, where he's. Oh, that was such a great performance. He's great in that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, then you got to get Tom Hardy in there too, because sometimes it's hard to understand Tom Hardy. Also, so I mean, you... <laughs> as many masks as he wears, yeah. <laughs> but well, we if you won't... haven't seen Capone, you'll understand because he, in Capone, it's. I want to see it so bad, but you, I got no, you it right. do not. No, no I want to see how bad not. it is. I want to see how Dude, bad, bad it is. That's it's why I can't bad, wait. Bad. But oh, yeah, gosh, I was going to throw out that Sam Elliott. That scene is so. That's like my favorite. But we will move on to the next category. Zach's first up again. What's the category, Rod? Uh, speaking of screenwriting, let's just go ahead and talk about screenwriting. All right. So, Zach, why don't you go ahead and uh, lead us off? All right. So, hereditary screenwriting is honestly, I one, I can't believe Ari Aster wrote such a messed up story for a film that deals with such heavy issues of grief. I remember the first time I watched it, I unfortunately I skipped. I didn't see it in theaters. I watched it about a little bit after Midsummer. Because I was so in love with this, so I was like, I, I have to see Hereditary. So I watched it, and I was just so shocked at like how heavy a lot of the themes were, but then how messed up he quickly made them. So like the screenwriting of how like all the scenes are set up, of kind of we're watching these characters more 
like how he does the direction of like the houses and like the miniatures and stuff and then easy transition and then just watching a woman Tony Collette's character just just deal I have a my theory is is her, the theme of hereditary is um, schizophrenia that's my theory of it all and yes it probably is real in the end with the uh the pagan group and everything but I really think it's more of like delusion and just all the schizophrenia stuff but yeah it's just the way he deals with it how or how Ari Aster like directs it and writes how these things are set up and then the big reveal spoilers of her daughter getting her head chopped off basically by a pole from choking on a from uh, what was it uh peanut allergy peanut allergy yeah and uh, Alex Wolf care driver home and she just boom and just how we don't see it at first and then we see it in daylight like the rotting <sighs> it was disgusting but like <sighs> it was so gross but then you hear Tony's like crying mm-hmm. like in a that's just a whole scene set up and just the screenwriting is so good and then it leads to like one of the best finales in horror is such a terrifying finale of like naked people and then just satanic just cults this cult galore and then the whole twist of they were trying to use her soul, the daughter's soul to get into Alice Wolf's body and like all this stuff. And it's just beautifully made. It's almost like, it's just so beautifully made. And as a horror fan, as fucked up as that sounds, <laughs> but <laughs> excuse, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm cussing too much. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, as messed up That's as right. a Sorry, as messed up as it sounds, it really is just like a giant, like a beautiful movie of grief and seeing of like a hereditary type story with family and stuff. And Tony just brings it. Ari Aster's direction is just amazing, and like just his screenwriting ability. Ability and Tony Collette stated that she never saw such a talented director and like a talented person as her first time like how professional Ari was with everything and like how he knew what he was doing and it really shows and there's certain scenes I'm going to get into later but screenwriting wise it's just it's almost like poetry or just how it just all strings together to a massive chaotic ending well said Zach I will say this and I because you and I we both love Midsommar a lot I actually prefer Midsommar's finale over hereditary's finale same here but yeah i think a part of it was because i truthfully i understood midsummer's finale better than i understood hereditary's finale yeah i was I, like wait what, what what the hell is this this doesn't make any sense i guess yeah the the ending to that one it just felt you understood like florence's character and like just that how much of an asshole christian was her boyfriend oh and like you're like yeah i kind of understand and like dealing with again grief and finally getting a realization that she's part of a family again this one just felt like yeah there's like it's just hopelessness they the pack the cult won the one over this family but what led to that which is so perfectly cold i like on both ari's films the cult wins that's that's basically but was a little bit more i guess not optimistic but more of under like you were saying under like you understand yeah like what she went through right and in both films you get a bunch of random naked people naked old people get naked it right. old people as well yeah <laughs> it's true. 
couple that minutes one of Marcy, shot. It's one of the most traumatizing scenes. I swear to God, man. I'm, it like, I was dude. this close to seeing this with my mom. This close, guys. I, I saw it oh, in a theater. It was just awkward, but I love that yeah. scene because it was, that was like, that's like my favorite type of horror comedy, like where it goes through a little bit of comedic at times. It's like, am mm-hmm. I supposed to laugh? And then you really are supposed to laugh. Right. I really like that. Well, thank you, Zach, for sharing. That was a, that was a really that was really good, really really good. Um, Jacob, why don't you go ahead and go next, my friend? Talk about the now. Does she does she also write this movie too, Jacob, or yep, was it somebody she, else? Yeah, Kelly Freeman Craig also wrote this as well. That's I and I was actually listening to a little bit of an interview before we started, and and I think the reason why it's so good is because of how relatable it is. I mean, to how real it feels, you know. And I think it's because she put a lot of herself in it and she put these things that are going to be timeless um, to a lot of high schoolers, no matter what era they grew up. And she actually said she went and studied high schools. She just sat in high schools and, and, and made sure she wasn't out of touch. Cause I think she said she was in high school in the nineties. So she wanted to make sure like, Oh, she, she wasn't writing something that would become really weird, but I think she nailed it, you know? Um, and I, I just think this movie is kind of, in a lot of ways, there's a lot of elements in this film that would work alone as a coming of age story, but instead she combines a bunch of them. Like Haley Seinfeld's character, she's got a lot going on in her life in this movie. You know, her dad passed away. I'm going to go into spoilers. So I should probably say that before, but her dad passed away, but you know, uh, early on in her life, uh, a few years before high school or maybe when high school started. And um, on top of that, she's got a lot of relationship issues with her mom, uh, you know, her mom is kind of uh, kind of overprotective. And at the same time, she kind of favors her her brother. Uh, maybe it's subconsciously, but, you know, it comes off that way. And then on top of that, she's got boy troubles, of course. You know, she wants to get with this one guy and, it, and she's got this other guy that's actually the nice dude that she should probably actually get with. And then on top of that, her best friend starts dating her brother. And it's just like all this stuff. This would like this would traumatize. Uh, one of these things would traumatize a teenage girl, but she's got all of them going on. And I just think it's amazing how well in the script she makes it work and she makes it all balanced because it could feel overwhelming at any point, you know, it could be like, Oh, they're focusing on this too much or this too much. She, but she never really, I think she, by the end of the movie, she figures it all out and it it all works really well. And I really love that about it. And I know Rod mentioned that scene um, earlier in the car, man, that that's a heartbreaking, crazy scene. And it's just, it, it, it really just makes you feel bad for what, you know, some women in high school have to go through. Cause I know there are guys that just, they're, they got perverted minds, you know, and, they're assholes, and they, Jacob. Let's yeah, just be they're assholes. They're, exactly. They're assholes. And, and that scene, I think, kind of perfectly encapsulates what some women have to go through with just some jerks, you know, and um, it's it's a very intense scene and it's very uh, just well written. You know, you can tell she put a lot of, into that scene. And uh, like I said, there's just so many good things about this movie, so many well written things. And I just I think it all worked out really well in the end. And it could have felt overbearing, but it didn't. And it's one of my favorite coming of age stories because of that. So, <laughs> damn, Jacob's killing it. Both of you guys, Jacob and Zach, y'all killing it. I'm glad we. Did. I'm glad I didn't have to judge today, Ben, because I would have had a very difficult, difficult, mm-hmm. difficult time <laughs> trying to choose a choose a winner here. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and go next, and then I'll let uh, Mr. Benjamin Saunders wrap it up. Yeah, I thought the first of all, the writer of the film, like I just had his name up. My goodness. Anyway, 
the writer of the film who also wrote uh, some one of Ben and I's favorites, Forrest Gump, Ali, and The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, which um, I think that was Dakota's favorite Fincher film when we did our Fincher episode a couple uh, way back when. But there is a what is what is his name? Yeah, Eric Roth is his name. Good resume. Yeah, great, really great. I mean, he's got a lot of a lot of other credits to his name, but those are kind of his main ones. And then Cooper and some guy named Will Fetters also helped him write the uh, write the um, screenplay. But I want to talk about that scene. I don't know if this is a scene you're talking about, Zach, where Lady Gaga goes to visit him in rehab. Just that. Okay, so I'll I'll let you I'll let you say because I might I might oh. be forgetting that. That to me was one of the more painful and painfully emotional scenes in the movie, just because it took him a real long time to realize the damage he had done. And I think it was after the fact that he embarrassed her on national TV in front of all those people and spending this time in rehab. And it's, it, it came full circle and he's, it's heartbreaking because of the finale. Like he's finally starting to piece his life back together and just that apology and how hard and just, it goes back to Cooper's performance too, on just how emotionally devastating it is, and him trying, him crying, just trying to say the words, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry for embarrassing you." And I thought the way that was written, and the way it was all staged, I thought it was handled extremely, extremely well. Another scene that I want to talk about too is, hold on, I'm trying to pull this thing up right here. The scene at the bar when they're, I think it's the first time after the uh, after Jack meets Allie for the first time. And there's this quote I'm going to repeat here that I rang. I don't know why it spoke so true, but it, it, it kind of hit home. It was like, look, talent comes everywhere. But having something to say and a way to say it, to have people listen to it, that's a whole other bag. And unless you get out and you try to do it, you'll never know. That's just the truth. I love that because that, that doesn't just speak to music. That speaks to anything, whatever kind of work you're doing in life, whether I, 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 it doesn't matter what the hell you're doing. But it kind of it rang true, especially to Ali's character. Because you see the talent she has, but she was struggling to kind of find her voice, her own voice, finding her way, finding her, her identity. And that's kind of, it's kind of almost the, the whole theme of the movie here. And the, the, just that crisis of identity for Allie, you know, she starts out singing this kind of country kind of music with Jackson. And then she gets more into that hip hop route, which God, I'll get into that when we talk about the music portion, but. <laughs> I see you shaking your head, Zach. But there's just there's just so many great scenes that work. I don't want to say it, it goes back to the performances because sometimes when you, you have a nice scene on paper and it doesn't work out, but it's elevated by the great performances. So I'm gonna. I thought Eli did a really really good job with the script here, but I thought the performances also kind of elevated that. But I think just in terms of screenwriting, just to make sure I don't get off topic, go back to performances. That scene, that emotional scene when Jackson's given his apology, that to me was the most emotional part of the entire movie. And also, we talked about the dickhead agent earlier. That scene of, you know, hey, you're a fucking, you know, you're a fucking mess. I don't want you anywhere near her. All that stuff. When Jackson's finally got his life back together and he seems to be doing okay, the way that was delivered and the way that was kind of staged and everything, I thought was handled really well. And of course, it leads to him committing suicide, which is just just sad and uh just that whole scene too of him kind of contemplating he's just standing there by the garage he's like do i do it do i not honestly that was kind of a nerve-wracking couple minutes i was like don't do it 
don't do it. Please don't do it. And then he closes to the garage and, you know, you see the police lights and it's over after that. Yeah, Zach, what was the scene you were talking about, though? It was a little bit after that. Uh, it was when she's doing her performance, like the mm-hmm. song. And yeah. then it just cuts to him performing it to her. That oh, scene yeah. breaks me just from like the uh, the sound mixing is great. Just the quick yeah. audio. And it's just him singing. It's like, oh, great. You're just going to burn me more in this movie. Right. Damn, that's a good scene. That's a really good scene. Thank you for mentioning that, Zach. Ben, why don't you go ahead and wrap, wrap up the uh, screenplay portion for us? Oh, uh, real quick too. I was gonna say the uh, details I always like to see in movies, and even stuff you don't catch on the first time. Um, watching it again is neat to pick up, and though it's a very sad one, but in this movie, after we see in the very beginning, after uh, Jackson performs on stage, you know, for the first time, and he's yeah. getting driven around in the limo or the the car on the billboards behind him there's uh nooses and i don't know what oh. it was for but it's uh it's a yeah for Dude, I even, of, i've like, watched this movie many times i haven't really, realized oh my yeah wow i, maybe, I gotta go back and watch yeah and maybe i don't know maybe i'm putting that onto the movie but i'm pretty sure it's uh it's that's that's definitely a, a, a hint towards uh yeah the finale before jacob did you have anything else to say before ben goes oh no once again really great scenes uh rod all, all good <laughs> All right, Ben, go ahead and wrap it up, buddy. All right, so for Nightcrawler, Dan Gilroy, the director, also uh, did the screenplay. And I was reading a review earlier that um, it's it's got several influences kind of from Taxi Driver uh, and that it's, you know, dark and kind of the underbelly of society, if you will, something we don't see every day. And then also Network with its kind of satirical take on uh, <laughs> on society and stuff how it's, you know, kind of, crazy but you can also laugh at some parts too yeah and also just the you know media itself and how how far sometimes they'll go to uh to either stretch the truth or, or kind of make their own for entertainment value and and watches and, and saying that too with the influences i think it's a really original story too i didn't know where it was going the first time i watched it and there's there's nothing quite <laughs> like it with uh with the the story of him uh you know getting caught up in the nightly news and filming all the the stuff that he does and finding and making his own scenes uh, a couple quotes too i think there's there's a lot of really good writing here and even like short lines that are that are sprinkled through uh i'll read you some and they're all they're all from Lou bloom he's such a great character uh why you pursue something is as important as what you pursue is a good one do you know what fear stands for false evidence appearing real that one's interesting a friend is a gift you give yourself that one's good this one's kind of funny um i feel like grabbing you by your ears right now and screaming i'm not fucking interested instead i'm gonna go drive home and do some accounting (laughs) which uh is really quirky (laughs) um but really you know gets to the heart of his character and then my favorite which i've actually quoted in real life before IRL for the, the hip kids. My motto is if you want to win the lottery, you've got to make the money to buy a ticket. And I love that because you know, you can, you can p- pursue dreams and, and have dreams, but you, you got to put in some work too, uh, usually to, to get them. So he, he has such good, <laughs> I guess it's like a, a lot of good villains. He has such good, not morals, but maybe kind of ethics he's he's in the right headspace of but he chooses the wrong path 
of, of what he's trying to do. Right motive, wrong execution. Yeah. 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 That's a good way to put it. So, uh, yeah, he's just a great character, um, him and, and everyone else too. But yeah, it's just really original movie and something also, if you, you know, watch it multiple times, I think you can pick up little things here and there, uh, that you didn't notice before. So. Yeah, two quick yeah. things, Ben. I, one, I want to take a business seminar class with Lou Bloom. I hope I want yeah. him to do like a, like an hour business because I feel like he would have a lot of great things to say. Mm-hmm. I feel like everyone would be successful after taking his class. <laughs> two, well, maybe two. <laughs> number two, uh, you know, this the script is really, really great because he's sort of he really is a villain. Yeah, but it's it's written in a way where we're still rooting for him the whole the whole the whole the whole time. And uh, I, I just, I just, I love the execution of, of the screenplay. So let's go ahead and talk about music, soundtrack, musical score. I want to go ahead and, and 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 get mine out the way first. This soundtrack is really addicting. I I love this soundtrack so much. I thought Gaga did a fantastic job with this. Bradley Cooper's got himself a voice too. I, I was really, really surprised. I was like, "Damn, I didn't know that this man could sing." I mean, what, what, what can't this man do? Shit, good looking, shit, and he can sing, and he's in a relationship with Lady Gaga. Man, like, I mean, he's he's got it all. Man, it's killing it. There, I know everyone's kind of in love with that with, with "Shallow," and "Shallow" is a great, great song. It's, it's a wonderful shadow, song. Shadow. But that's not my favorite song in the whole in the whole movie. Mine's always always remember us this way. That song to me. I I almost tear up sometimes listening to it because I'll, I'll listen. Sometimes I just listen to it in the car on my way to like the just anywhere, really like on an appointment or something, or I'm just driving not to the gym. That's a, that's a way. That's a really depressing way to get pumped for the gym. But um, you know, just really anywhere else, I'll just pop this on, and it's it's just all the music in here. I thought either gets you gets you pumped up or it really just gets you gets you in the feels. It gets you in the feels, and there's but there's there is one song that gets on my nerves every single freaking time it comes on. Sometimes I'll just put this thing on shuffle, and it's that hip hop song. Why'd you do that? I God, I hate that song so freaking much. Uh, but I I almost think it was done on purpose. I was about to say that I felt like it was a point to be annoying. Yeah, just just the point, like you know, there's a parody on how pop songs these days are kind of you know a pain in the ass and really annoying. Because it's really just her saying the same thing like 50,000 50, times, but it's got a nice beat. So I'm not going to complain about that. The beat's really good. But yeah, in terms of everything else, I mean, I've, I've listened to all, how many songs are there? 34 songs at ad nauseum. So I don't really like downloading a whole lot of soundtracks, but this soundtrack I, I, I downloaded. I, I downloaded the whole thing. That and La La Land in terms of movie soundtracks, I thought are just the brilliant, brilliant pieces of music. If I have to say another one that really gets me too, besides always remember us this way, is is that all right, Lady Gaga? I love that song too, but I think always always remember us this way is perfect in my opinion, and I like I love the way it ends too with her the little piano chorus at the end. So, yeah, Star Wars Born to Me, one of the best movie soundtracks I think that's that's been out there in the past. Definitely from the last decade. I don't, I know maybe it could compete with La La Land or whatever, but I think this is probably. I don't know. I love a lot of soundtracks with the good guys. It's tough. I, I don't know if I can decide right now. Or is it prey? So anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I still need to get the soundtrack myself. Um, but I, I'm surprised I, you're the vinyl guy. I know. I know. Oh I yeah, like I need the, to get on vinyl too. I like the opening song, uh, "Black Eyes." 
I was yeah, about to say too. that. It's a good start to the movie too. Like yeah. a good riff. Really thing, good I saw start. that in a Dolby theater and just I like my my literally they had like the whole theater was shaking, my butt was shaking. I was like, shit, damn, I don't <laughs> feel like I was at an actual concert. My heart was racing a little bit too. Um that was just Bradley Cooper. That wasn't the theater, Rod. That was Bradley Keeper. Oh, okay. now we're just kidding. Now, now, now we're going down a hole. I don't want to go. Oh, damn it. Okay. You know what? <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and uh, have someone else go. I guess uh, I'll go on that note. Yeah, Zach, why don't you go ahead and go, man? Um, Thank you, Zach. Mike, honestly, I'm probably the quickest one here because my score isn't that much. My music is not really there. It's more of a, you know, movie score. But that there's pieces throughout the movie that are so great like when spoiler when the husband's being burned like it's like creepy just i think it's just violent it's just like it's just creepy music just going off but the one piece that i listen actually i do listen to it casually it's called reborn it's the ending track where it's like that dip into like high strings it was used like as a tiktok trend trend like a couple years ago and stuff that piece is so great. I love it's, it's between that and the midst and the ending midsummer, the fire temple score. That's really great. But yeah, my my uh, argument is kind of small on this one. It's not really you. You probably win this one, Ron. Honestly, that soundtrack's hey, well, really good. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> you mentioned when the the husband burning. The first time I watched it, I kind of laughed for a little bit. I was like, <laughs> I don't know why. It's one of those like. Uh, <laughs> Like you're laughing, but you're like shocked me. I was like, "What?" Like kind of like ah, but I was laughing. Yeah. I get what you mean. But yeah, my my soundtrack is kind of just just there. Well, it's eerie, you know. It's very it's, eerie. The, for, uh, for this one, I'm kind of glad it's not a whole big bombastic score. That you know, ending yeah. one, the reborn, it just fit the mood of like the the crowning and all. So yeah, I really like that. That Burning Man always reminds me of uh, the Wish You Were Here Pink Floyd album. <laughs> With the, the guy on fire. It really does. <laughs> and then she's standing next to him, kind of, or in the same room at least. I'll go next. Mine uh, don't have much easier either, I guess, but uh, the the soundtrack, but it's James Newton Howard, who's really good um, in a lot Make of other films. Sense. Yep. And uh, in this one too, I actually don't own this uh, score either. I like to collect some scores, but uh, yeah, but it's got, it's got a cool kind of 70s, 80s vibe throughout. I think Chinatown Express is the the longest and probably most popular uh, if you wanted to give a listen. But yeah, I think it kind of like Zach for his movie, it, it fits the mood of this one well. You know, nothing too jarring or anything. And there are, yeah, none of the popular songs <laughs> honestly really stand out, I guess. But uh, but the, the, the score is good. It fits the mood well. We don't have a top 40 hit like uh, Rod over here. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but <laughs> anyway... Go ahead, Jacob. You've got some pop songs in yours, don't you? Oh, yeah, I do. I I don't have a ton to say about it. I, I, it looks like the, the, the score was done by, I hope I'm saying this right, Ali Overson. Son, am I saying that right? I think he's done like stuff for the Pirates movies and things. And, and, and really, but this movie, I think the big thing that sticks out is more the soundtrack, like a lot of coming-of-age movies. You know, it's got a lot of songs that – probably guys our age grew up with, you know, music from the 2010s that just feel like songs that would be in a high school movie. And it's really, it's really well done, you know, with, uh, 
the, the music in it. It's It's got a pretty good array of stuff, too. You got some Phantogram in there. I know that was one of them. And then uh, what's the name of that? Oh, Ballroom Blitz. That's near the beginning of it um, by uh, what, what's the name of that? The Ramones. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, it says here oh, the sweet. Struts did it. Sweet. So, yeah, sorry. Yeah, sweet. I thought it was sweet, sorry. but. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but that's a great song. I think that's in Guardians of the Galaxy as well. We're not talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. I, but I do have one complaint about this soundtrack. At least I don't think I heard it in the movie. Maybe it was somewhere and I didn't know. But why is it The this. Edge of 17 <laughs> yeah. by Stevie Nicks not in this soundtrack? What the heck? You make a yeah. movie called The Edge of 17 and then you don't put that in it. It's like, come on. But, well, but I... I there weren't what? any white wing doves in the movie, so that's true. I it guess wasn't it, witch, it, didn't it wasn't work a witch anywhere. movie or anything. <laughs> no, you're right. I don't know. Maybe I'm just. No, but... I, maybe it would have been too on the nose. I don't know. But I was waiting for it too. I, I wanted it, but but I didn't get it. But it's a good soundtrack. I don't. I don't have a ton to say other than that. I enjoyed it. I'm not always the best at listening to like the music right away when I see a movie. You know, even the other night when I rewatched it, I I still didn't. I don't know, you know, I didn't think about it that much. I'm just kind of bad about that for some reason. I always have been, but but yeah, I it, it, it the soundtrack is good though. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce the uh, composer's name either, but I did. Uh, he's Icelandic, by the way. He did recently do Eurovision, which I watched the other day. Oh, the, that I like the soundtrack the, in that movie. Yeah, it's it's good. It really, uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really good for a comedy mm-hmm. um, as well some catchy tunes so i like one song i just looked it up uh jacob it has cage the elephant's trouble i, I oh, like that song mm, that's, that's an good, awesome song that's a good yeah. song that's one of those i have on repeat a lot yeah it's good <laughs> so congrats to rod for winning that round but uh <laughs> i guess we'll move on to the next one yes emotional impact let's go ahead and start with jacob this talk movie about some, uh, talk about what? the emotional impact Oh, ahead, there's buddy. so many emotions, Rod. It's crazy. It's it's just it's just, it, it's always getting you with the emotions. No, um, this movie has a lot of really big emotional scenes. I think the first one that's like a gut punch is really early on in the movie is uh, when her dad. Spoilers. I said this already, so I guess it, we've kind of established spoilers. But her dad passes away, and she had a really close relationship with her father in this film. Like, uh, you know, it was kind of one of those things where the mom is closer to her brother and she was always closer to a father growing up. And in the movie, like she's in the car when her dad has a heart attack, basically. And it's very intense, very sad, very emotional. And like a lot of kids who lose parents, this is kind of carrying with her throughout the whole film. And it's kind of a weight you see her carry throughout all of it, you know, and it's it's one of those things after it happens to you. I, I haven't lost a parent, but I know it's going to be one of those things that when it happens, it's going to be on my mind for the rest of my life, you know? So, and when it, it, I think when it happens when you're younger, it's even more traumatic. And then I know we kind of touched on this scene earlier, but that scene in the car with the, 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 the jerk guy, the one who works at the pet store, that one wasn't, that one was really intense and it, it makes you feel uncomfortable. It makes you feel like you're there as Haley Steinfeld and it's very well directed. And I think the, un, it, it, the uncomfy scenes in this movie, they're very well done, but then the scenes where you get the heartfelt moments, you know, you get the moments where she's talking to Woody Harrelson 
uh, kind of working out her problems, you know, you get the, those are really good. They're really, they're almost like the payoffs of the movie. Um, you get the scenes where she's frustrated at her best friend because, you know, he, he, she's dating her brother and it, it's, it, it, it feels, you feel the awkwardness there and the tension, you know? Um, and then, you know, the scenes between her and her mom, there's one when, uh, her mom, she wants her mom to like drive around the school and her mom just takes her to work with her. <laughs> it's just like, it's it just, it, it's one of those things that's so funny in it, but it's frustrating too at the same time. Cause you, you see the tension on their relationship. And then, um, and then later on when the mom is getting ready to like text her and chew her out for, you know, not coming home the night before coming home really late. Um, you just, you see her start to let go and stop being like such a hover parent and, and be a better parent towards her daughter. And, and I, I like that. And it's all done with Kira Sedgwick just texting on a phone. It's really good. Um, another thing I want to say about this movie before I, I forget is this movie has a lot of like things in common with another Haley Steinfeld movie, Bumblebee. And I noticed that the other day while I was watching it, I thought it was funny. Um, you, you, you know, in Bumblebee, Haley Steinfeld's character also lost her father. And, you know, I thought that was kind of ironic that that happened in this movie, that happened in both movies. And then, you know, she's also got some issues with her mom and she's in high school too, working out her problems. It, I thought, I just thought that was interesting. Just kind of a weird thing that happened, but. It's a prequel. Yeah, it almost is. Different. I, I, yeah, you, you might be right about that, Rod. It, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> it does the uh, Haley uh, universe where she loses oh. her dad in every movie. Oh, oh that boy. would be sad. We need a it's Haley true, Steinfeld true in grit universe. too. Oh yeah, True Grit. It's the HCU. Oh, <laughs> so what do we do about the Pitch Perfect movies? Then did we leave those out? Oh, I forgot she was in those. Um, heard, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She, she's a nice touch in those. You, you get to hear her sing, and she's a great singer as well. Uh, I can't wait till we see her as Kate Bishop. That's gonna I know. Be something. She's going to be amazing, Rod. And this movie, like, it, it's one of those that makes me, gives me so much confidence in her in that role. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> I think totally. Kate Bishop loses her father or something. So, Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I don't know. <laughs> nah, her father's Mephisto, Zach. You know? Oh, yeah. And uh, Kate Bishop's a mutant. <laughs> oh, that got Rod pretty good. <laughs> <That's a good laughs> <take>. <laughs> I'm sorry, Rod. <laughs> anyway, someone go, please. <laughs> I guess I'll go. So the emotional impact of Hereditary, um, it's just this overwhelming sensation of like just dread the whole time, and you feel the minute like the you see the funeral of Tony Collette's mom. And there's a quote where it kind of goes like, there's a lot of people here that I'm shocked showed up. I don't know y'all. And this will like, suddenly like feel weird or something that, that y'all are here. It's like a weird quote throughout the whole movie. It's just that like uneasiness dread from the minute the funeral starts. And then you just have this, like I had this intense, like gut feeling the whole time. And then you get like dream sequences and then you get, like the overall grief when her, her daughter uh, passes away right after her mother passes away. It's just one thing after another for her. And then you just see her kind of lose it on her son. Like that, like, it's iconic to me, like that dinner scene where she just snaps and screams at him. Um, like that whole monologue paragraph is just really, really brilliant to me. But emotionally, 
besides like that first, it's just a whole idea of grief and there's a whole idea of moving on, but your pat your family's history catches up to you. It's something unique and different. It's not there's not like a big heartbreaking scene to me. It takes a lot for me to cry and that type of stuff. Honestly, Rod kind of wins this round because I cannot watch the stars more because I cry every damn time. <laughs> it's such a hard hitting movie. But uh, Hereditary, they do, it has this emotional impact of trying to move on, but stuff keeps happening and just keeps getting worse for this character and just the family history and everything. Yeah, I know. I was definitely uh, traumatized <laughs> by this movie. I keep saying I, I watched it. I've watched it once. I'm not a big horror fan also to start off, which I feel like I say that every week, but uh every time a scary movie comes up but i i like the classics and it's you know if the if it's effective then it did its job and this one definitely did i watched it alone in the dark and when she uh the daughter you know you figure out what happens when she's in the car and stuff like i was nearly nauseous it's <laughs> and, pretty nauseous, uh, yeah yeah and it's not even yeah there's other stuff that's more gory i guess and, and more pop out scary and stuff but stuff like that just <laughs> oh yeah it's- like you said it's uh, real almost yep yep how it's almost and, yeah realistic and that's one thing like ari aster i guess it's more back to the screenwriting point uh he wanted to film this in utah because of the mountains and like the scenery and stuff mm-hmm. and he wanted to show like there's not really a lot of horror movies in daylight time and a lot of stuff does happen during the day which is terrifying to see because yeah. that's usually the safe space for horror movies and then the other thing talk about scary scenes there's one scene that always traumatizes me it's when alex wolf gets up from bed and you see tony collette in the corner and she just kind of skitters away on the wall oh, dude that's oh. the i love that shot so much but it's so terrifying whenever i watch it there's one scene that always gets me and it's at the school when he's freaking the hell out and he's like raising his hands yeah and then he like just slams his head breaks his nose on the desk that's hard to oh, see i don't I, I don't know why that scene always bothers me for some reason it's just gr- it's, i think because it's like in a real setting it's not like a creepy monster or anything it's just he's doing it to himself and that's the scary right. part or when he's freaking out when he's uh smoking pot with his friends early in the movie he um, can't that too yeah he he really gave a really great performance in that movie i don't think he's ever He's been, I don't think I've ever seen him do anything better than that. He was really, really good in that movie, guys. He was really great. Shumanji. I get him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was his brother. But his brother was good at Fallen Earth Stars, the older one. He he played uh, the one that was turning blind. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've only but watched Fallen Earth Stars like once. I, I, I really like, I like that one. But the, yeah, with Alex Wolf is also the scene where the dream sequence where he's like, they're arguing him and Tony. And uh, they like just keep getting wet. It's just keep they keep getting wet for some reason, like both of them. And then you realize it's gasoline, and then you realize, or like flute or wherever it was, and then it turned on fire. It's terrifying. I feel like Aster Zach did a better job with the emotional moments in Midsommar than Hereditary, but that's because Midsommar is kind of more of an emotional character arts character study anyway than Hereditary is. I think so too. It's more that one is more. A little bit more relatable on like some sense of anxiety and panic attacks this one is just tragic to see it's like you're again like you're watching this family torn, get torn apart and that's yeah. the emotional impact of that uh ben buddy do you want to go or you want me to go i'll go 
at the end of this movie, I just ball every time. And it, no, not really. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it has an unsettling feeling too throughout. And yeah, like I said before, you don't really know what's going to happen. Um, kind of yeah, weird feeling. Yeah, but it, it does. It does. No, <laughs> it does go to some crazy links by the end, and uh, I think it's it's shocking. At least I was the the first time. So yeah, no, I wasn't crying my eyes out or anything. But it's a it's a good, uh, unique story, and um, I guess more I've taken away the the quotes and stuff from it, and the the characters, and then maybe thinking if some of this was real. Uh, but I think it's more an allusion to you know how far the media goes sometimes. Yeah. So, which is uh, more more thinking outside the movie, I guess it makes you makes you think. It's more of the impact of it. Does that Riz character die in the movie? Yep. Yeah. That, I was gonna say. I'm. Yeah. That, that was, I was gonna mention that scene, Zach. Yeah. If I if I watch it now because I love Riz, if I watch it now, I'll probably cry because mm-hmm. Riz. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that he just like lets he just lay he just films him doesn't yeah. doesn't help him or anything. He just creepily films him while he's dying. It's just. Uh, it's honestly real like that feels like something would happen you know like yeah on tiktok or something you know it's crazy oh jeez <laughs> <I hope not. laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> a little too far. <laughs> but can you imagine lou bloom during the capital raid and he's just like filming everything i mean can you i mean that's that's the kind of guy he is he wouldn't care yeah. about you know people getting hurt or anything he's like oh shit what can i do to further my career and there's yep, other people like that it's crazy yeah. like they're that's it's such a great movie yeah, the realism is the most impactful part, I would say. Also, too, one of the one of the scenes, Ben, that I I, I don't I don't know if you mentioned it or not that scene where him and Renee Russo are talking in the diner, and he's basically blackmailing her and stuff. Right. Um, yeah. I oh my god, I, dude, I kind of want to watch the movie now. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> I don't even want to talk. I just want to go watch that movie now. <laughs> it's been a minute since I watched it. Um, that scene too was just really intense, and Dylan Hall played that so perfectly, mm-hmm. so calm. Yeah. Oh, goodness. But uh, all right, Jacob, do you have anything you want to add about Ben's Ben stuff? Oh, Jake Gyllenhaal is such a weasel in that. He's just, <laughs> he's just so he's you're right. He's just so creepy. And oh, man, he, he might as well just be covered in slime in the movie. He's not. But it feels like he is. You know, he's just so grimy and everything he does just makes you uncomfortable. And oh, man, you're right. Yeah, he'll just do anything for his story. I think of that. When I, when I watched that movie, I think of that song by Don Henley called Dirty Laundry. You know, the news <laughs> likes to get the dirty laundry and portray it out like, you know, good and stuff. And oh, man, it's it's a yeah, it's a great movie. I love it so much. And I'm I, going back to performances. I miss Bill Paxton, man. When yeah. he, he yeah. died, that really broke my heart. And that was one of his later roles. And uh, it's a good one. Mm hmm. Dude, he had quite a year in 2014 because he did that and he did Edge of Tomorrow, which he was also really good in. God, he had, yeah, he had a really great year that year. Um, all right, so I'll go next and talk about the emotional stuff in A Star is Born. I, mean, I kind of touched upon some st- some of the scenes already, so I'm not going to go back and revisit those. There is a line, though, that oh, that gets me every single time. And it, it I, I go back to it at the very end because it breaks my heart. And it's, I hope it's okay if I love you forever, Jack. Because that is, you realize that she she she's never gonna love again. That's kind of the whole point of that last song at the very end. That was that was her everything. Um, you know, I'm sure there's people out people out there and stuff who have that one person, and you know, and I 
can sort of relate to her situation. I think, Zach, you mentioned earlier that, you know, I, I won this. I think out of all of our movies, I think Jacob's is probably the most relatable just because of where we're at, what, where the four of us are at in our lives right now. I think Jacob's film is probably the most relatable. And I think this one's probably next after Jacob's. But yeah, it's just, this all goes back to Gaga and Cooper. This movie doesn't work if their chemistry doesn't work. And it's kind of scary how good their chemistry is to the point where, you know, rumors started going. Or were they actually, you know, dating and, you know, behind the scenes? What was really going on behind the scenes? That Oscar. You know, we've all seen great chemistry. Uh, their chemistry is a little too good. And of course, you know, some behind the scenes crap, whatever that, you know, Cooper got divorced shortly after the Oscars and everything. And I don't know if you guys watched the Oscars when Cooper and Gaga gave that performance. That was like, okay, all right. Yeah, these two are definitely uh, cuddling behind the scenes <laughs> we'll keep it pg yeah it's just it's really just their chemistry so many so many great scenes now, there's another scene I, I wanted to mention too it's in the parking lot right after ali gets that fist fight at the bar and she's just kind of she's just freestyling you know just singing in the, in the parking lot and i i just love that and that whole sequence between the bar and you know ali punching that dude and them kind of hanging out in the grocery store in the parking lot that was just the beginning of that wonderful, sometimes turbulent relationship. I guess their relationship was full of ups and downs, but I think the the highs were definitely more, uh, you know, the takeaways here. But when you know when their relationship was getting getting the shit, you know, because she said a couple, she said a couple times, "Hey, if you get drunk again, or if I can't find you, I'm gonna leave you there." But she did it. She was always there, no matter what. That just showed how much she loved. You know, she loved him, and I thought Gaga portrayed that. As per as 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 good as any actress could have, and you know I've seen some people say, "Oh, I wish Gaga wasn't." I, I, I know any actress could have done that. Cooper wanted Gaga for a reason, and I thought she she pulled a masterful job. And then, like Zach says about that ending, it's it's an emotional ending. And I guys, I'm not I'm not afraid to admit it. I cried next to my mother. I did. I'm I'm, I'm a grown ass man. I cried next to my mother, and. uh yeah, it's uh this movie breaks my heart and I kind of want to watch this right now too. I might I might do a double feature tonight then watch this at Nightcrawler. I'm not watching Hereditary. That's just that shit's gonna keep me up all fucking night, Zach. I'm sorry, but that's okay. <laughs> but yeah, the, this 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 film is just it's an emotional film. It's it's an emotional film and and one I wasn't expecting to be as emotional too. One last thing though, I wish they didn't ruin that scene in the trailer of hey when he's talking to Ali about hey I, I just want to take another look at you. I wish they didn't ruin that in the trailer. I wish they would have said that for the movie. I was about to bring that up. I actually, when I saw it in the trailer, I was like, okay, that's a little cheesy. Yeah, I was but, like, ah, it's stupid. <laughs> yeah, but when I when I saw it, I was like, oh, I was like, that was sweet. Because yeah. you get the to- the context of everything context. before, too. So yeah. It's yep. created a lot of good memes, too. <laughs> that's always good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, there's one with Pikachu, and it's like, hey, I just want to la- take one last Pikachu. <laughs> So good. <laughs> uh, yes, a star is born. Broad, you were saying that Edge of Seventeen is the most relatable, and probably this. I don't know if Hereditary is pretty relatable. Your family never want to sacrifice you in a satanic cult, and <laughs> well, I don't know what my parents say behind my back, so I, I hope not. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty relatable. I- <laughs> happens to every teenager. <laughs> I broke a line out of the zoo once to cause a fake news story and get credit for it. So I can, I can right. relate to who has Nightcrawler. Yeah. I was the Nightcrawler. Damn, Jacob. 
Yeah, I'm there in Iowa, man. My goodness. Oh, you'll no, see. The lion didn't hurt anybody. I, I didn't go that dark, guys. <laughs> <laughs> he just roamed around. Hey, I did that in my Zoo Tycoon game. So <laughs> those were good games, Zach. They I were. missed them. <laughs> So, was it Star Wars born to Zoo Tycoon? But let's go ahead and wrap this up. Um, talking closing thoughts, and uh, I'll let Ben go first. If you want to say anything about you know your film, and then just any of the uh, any of our other films in general, speak your mind, Ben, about any of these four films. Let's start with your film first. Yeah, yeah. So Nightcrawler, like I said, I'm a big Jake Gyllenhaal fan. I think this was one of the first ones um, that that. I saw that I was really getting into him and I actually didn't see it in theaters. Um, I just heard some people on Instagram, some, some friends tell me about it and I was like, all right, I'll check it out. And then when I did, I was very pleasantly surprised um, and, and enjoyed it a lot. And like I said, I've quoted it some in my real life too. And uh, I think it's, it's very effective for what it was going for. And actually I haven't watched it in uh in a little bit. So like you, I might pop it in tonight. We'll see. Yeah. Good, good things all around for it. And uh, yeah, everyone else had really good choices as well. Yeah, I guess directorial debut. <laughs> this is my favorite Dan Gilroy movie. He uh, he did Roman J. Israel Esquire, I think, with uh, Denzel, which I have not seen. Not a good movie. Not okay. a good movie. <laughs> and then um, he reteamed with Jill and Hall again for Velvet Buzzsaw, which I didn't think was that great either. Jack, did you see that? Because I that feels I feel like you would have. That's like your kind of movie. I I didn't what see was it. it? Velvet Buzzsaw. Netflix. Oh, Jake, no, I, I, I heard it was pretty bad, so I kind of skipped it. I didn't think it was terrible, but yeah, it would, uh, I'm not going to watch it again. <laughs> uh, interesting premise, I guess, but uh, not as... Oh, Ben, he wrote Kong Skull Island? Oh, shit. Yeah, he was a writer on there. I just saw that, too. That's disappointing. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, we'll see what he does, if he can redeem himself in the future, but uh, I just thought it was, <laughs> just thought it was cool that... Uh, that was his directorial, and then that's also his best so far, I think. So, or maybe not. Yeah, he wrote a lot of stuff. Interesting. The Born Legacy. Yep. Wow. Yeah, Nightcrawler really is his best. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> but anyway, that's my thoughts. Uh, Zach. Yeah, Hereditary is always like minute after I finished seeing it, it instantly became top twenty-five of my favorite movies of all time. Nice. I just love it. I'm actually looking at my special art I have of it right now. It's very. It's another favorite scene is when it's just how it's shot is when Tony Collette rises up into the treehouse. Mm. Like it just looks so eerie and like it's like strings pulling her up. It's really creepy. But as a directorial debut, this like made Ari Aster like the horror guy right now next to Robert Eggers. Like they're just killing it. They finished a gap between like art house and uh, mainstream horror. Because every yeah. like everybody was talking about this film when it dropped. I unfortunately didn't see it in theaters, but I'm glad I finally got a chance to see it right after Midsummer. And this and that movie is just back and back. It's just so good. It's a, honestly the perfect like double feature. It feels like because they both deal with similar themes. They both deal with like a similar ending, and it's just such a great movie, man. Such a great horror movie. I can't wait to see what he does next. I heard, especially with Walking Phoenix as a lead, that's just just screams like chaos on screen. It smells like so, Oscar buzz right there. Man. Exactly. Maybe we may finally get his Oscar nom to bring Joaquin in. Yeah, I'm excited. Nightcrawler. I'm fortunate. Only seen it one time. I remember a lot of it, 
I loved that movie when it when I finally saw it. That was like my, one of my first like independent movies I saw because of Chris Stuckman. He was like really braving it when it came out. So I was like, all right, I guess I check it out. I was like, oh, this is amazing. But yeah, that's a really tough movie to watch, to be honest. It's just one that's like kind of like good time and like uncut gems. It's just a lot to take in. A Star is Born just breaks me every damn time. I just can't with that movie. <laughs> it's it's a little bit long. That's the one thing that makes me kind of not walk rewatch it a lot. It's a kind of a long run time, but when it gets going, it's just hard hitting. And then right. Sam Elliott and all that's so great. Edge of 17, I finally watched last year for the first time and I loved it. I didn't like the ending that much. It was kind of abrupt, you can say. It just kind of, it didn't, I don't know. It just wasn't the best ending for me. I kind of like Bumblebee more, if I'm being honest, out of mm. the Haley Steinfeld movies. It just hits more for me. But um, yeah, I like all these movies. So all great arguments, everybody. All great. Y'all basically all said why I feel about these movies. So. We can't be mean on here. This was a very friendly debate. <laughs> <I know. laughs> <laughs> how it should be. Really. <laughs> That's how all movie talk should be friendly. <laughs> yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Jacob, before you go, I didn't want to say that I. Like with Eggers too, Zach Eggers and uh, and Aster. I think we got to put Jordan Peele up there also. Yes, in terms yes. of you know, kind of the top notch horror guys. I think I have Aster at the top right now with Peele right behind him, just because I love Midsommar so much. Yeah, I think the more mainstream audience definitely probably will favor Peele more just because they're not as art housey as Eggers or like, yeah, like Ben, uh, they're not as art housey as Eggers or, or yeah. Aster. But I feel like if Midsommar was marketed better, I feel like more people probably would have given that film a chance. I think so too. Whenever I like told people like, you gotta see this movie, they were like really like big movie fans like us. And when they saw they were like, damn, that was messed up, but that was really good. Right. But yeah, Jordan Peele, he's a great horror director. I can't, I'm so excited for his next one with the cast of Steven Yun and um, Pedro Pascal may be in it. And then Dale Kalula is going to be in it. It's going to be great. You have a Kalula and, and Peele reteaming. I mean, that's, that, I mean, that's, that's hair is just, that's money. I mean, I, I, that might be the next course. I'm not saying it's going to be, but that could be like <laughs> Scorsese, DiCaprio kind of level. Oh, yeah. Definitely. That's uh, such a diverse cast. We get like, it's so, uh, I cannot yeah. wait for that. But yeah, I I, I wish Midsommar would get some more love because I I love that film. And Hereditary, too, I think. I, I only watched it twice. I need to rewatch it again, but I've definitely appreciated more, Zach, upon nice. that that second rewatch. So. That's good, that's good. Maybe I'll give it a rewatch, too, uh, during the day with friends <laughs> or something sometime. Watch it in the early morning so you yeah. have the rest of the day for, to, to leave your mind. Yeah, Ari Aster is the king of uh, daytime horror, so yeah, watch it early. <laughs> yeah, well, even during the day, I guess I'll get scared. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, go ahead, Jacob. Well, I, I, I there have been so many good uh, coming of age stories in the 2010s. I think besides the 80s, I think the 2010s had this resurgence of coming of age stories. You got great movies like The Way Way Back, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Yes. You got uh, Lady Bird, uh, underrated one. I always tell people about that. You got to watch. It's called Me Earl and the Dying Girl. Hey, um, yes, it's a great one. Love you, Coach. Yep. Yeah, that's another great. I don't know. If, I don't know if that was a first time director, but that's another one that's right up there for me with coming of age stories. And that uh, one movie, uh, Peanut Peanut Butter Falcon. Oh, 
Oh, that, yes, that the Cutter so Johnson. Good. Yes, peanut butter. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one always puts a smile on my face, Zach. It, it's just, it, it just wholesome. makes you happy. Yeah, you're right. It's just, so, I think, isn't that movie like rated G or something too? And PG it's like or, PG, yeah. okay. But Which but it, it's so wholesome. Peanut Butter Falcon. No way. I, I thought it was rated R because it has like some that's PG-13. I'm pretty sure it's PG-13. Oh. oh, it might be. I just, I remember it being so wholesome though. It's just a movie you walk out of and you feel great. But yeah. The Edge of 17 is right up there with all those movies because it's it's just great. And I don't know. I think we've just had a lot of people in this decade who have grown up watching those good movies from the 80s. And and they've kind of applied their experiences, you know, and made these films. And part of it also might be because of our age group. You know, a lot of these films, they're high school movies, but they take place when we went to high school, kind of. So whenever I watch them, I kind of. I, I I feel like nostalgic for different things from high school. Um, I, I, I don't want to go back to high school by any means, not don't want to be thrown into like a 21 jump street situation or anything, but, <laughs> but uh, I, 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 I do miss things about it. And these movies kind of make me feel like, Oh man, that was an interesting time. You know, I'm glad other people out there had some of the same feelings I did when I was going through high school and uh, the edge of 17 i think is a masterpiece in that sense it's really great and i'm glad i got to talk about it and then for your guys' movies hereditary is really freaky i only watched it once i need to watch it again i'm kind of like i i think i like it about the same as ben did um you know i it's one of those movies that i didn't really know what to think of it it deserves a rewatch though because it's got a lot going on in it and you know it's very well directed and then A Star is Born, I think, is a fantastic movie. It's very emotional. Um, you know, uh, Lady Gaga somebody I've liked ever since her The Fame album, you know, and then just to see her turn around and do an acting performance like that. It's amazing. They're even better than her Oreos. It's so good. And uh, I just I really like that movie. Um, it, it, it's just so emotional. I got a steel book over there for it. So and then um, uh, and then Ben. Your movie on Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler is so good. It's an intense film. I remember I saw that. I don't know if you guys know, but I went to school for um, my degree was in journalism when I was at Iowa State. And kind of I remember thinking like there were a couple of movies that came out. One of them was Nightcrawler. And I kind of thought, you know, that's the movie. This is what you don't do as a journalist. And the movie and then Spotlight was kind of the movie where it's like, yeah, journalism's awesome. This is what you do. So I remember those both came out of that time period. And it's like the, you know, the polar opposites of yeah. good and evil. But but yeah, that's a great film. Jake Gyllenhaal, man probably one of the biggest snubs uh, like you said of all time he's so good in that movie and and uh i i just love it it's a great great creepy story and it you don't know how to feel through some of it and it's just that, that's like when a movie makes you feel that way that's they've done something right <laughs> i think it's fun i think all four of our films probably have performances that you could say are oscar worthy whether it's about Haley steinfeld at 17 you know tony collette and hereditary Jake Gyllenhaal and Nightcrawler, or, you know, Cooper, Gaga, and The Star is Born. We've all got Oscar caliber performances across the board that, you know, I think any of them could have could have taken home an Oscar. Mm-hmm. I thought Haley Steinfeld actually gave one of the best performances of 2017. You know, I don't think anybody talked about her performance enough, honestly. Um, I know that was kind of the Francis's year, Francis McDormand's year for three billboards. <laughs> well deserved because she's excellent in that, but I thought Haley Steinfeld really did uh I, I thought she should have at least had some consideration. So, as far as the Star is Born goes, and I've, I've, been, I've talked about it a couple times with Ben on the pod, maybe other episodes. So it's 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 my fifth favorite film of all time. I 
the more I watch it, the more I just fall in love with it. And the more I fall in love with Cooper and Gaga's relationship, it's just it just feels so real. And it, it really just elevates the entire movie because we've had what like three of these movies now before this. So it's kind of like, all right, what else can yeah, what else can we do? Well, yada yada yada. And I thought, and I haven't seen all of them. And but my mom, I think my mom hasn't. She told me after the movie, she's like, that was the best one out of all of them. And I think that's just a testament to Cooper's brilliant direction. I'm really curious to see what he does next because Cooper kind of is doing, he can do it all. I mean, he's a great actor. And clearly, I mean, no matter how you, what you feel about a star is born, I think I haven't really talked to anyone who has disliked it. I think maybe a month's film Instagram. I think I've talked to a couple of people who are like, yeah, it's a little overrated, yada, 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 but they still say it's good. Take that what you may. Um, as far as your guys' other movies, I mean, Hereditary still, like I said, it, I appreciate it a lot more upon second watch. It's a film I probably won't watch. It's not a very a movie I'll watch a lot, to be honest, Zach, just because of its, it's not like it's so smart, right? I know I can watch it over and over again. It, maybe it's just the, the tone, the overall atmosphere of the film, but it's it's still a great film nonetheless, and a, a masterpiece of a horror film that's ranked in my top 20 in terms of horror films of all time. Then I'll say it once and I'll say it again, man. I think Jake Gyllenhaal ranks up there with Amy Adams in terms of snubs for the Oscars. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal's performance is extremely underrated. And I actually, it wasn't one of the first art house films I watched in theaters, Zach, but it was one of the first ones. That film really surprised me, Ben. And I got to say, uh, just in terms of surprise factor, it was definitely one of the biggest surprises of the 2010s. And then at just 17, Jacob, I... I mean, you said it perfectly. I'm kind of a sucker for coming of age stories. I think aside from comic book movies, that's probably my second or third favorite genre, Jacob, was coming of age stories. I mean, I think the 2010s, I think you said perfectly, Jacob, it's filled with great coming of age stories. I would also add Love, Simon in there also. Not enough people talk about Love, Simon. I think Love, Simon's a masterpiece. But that 17's right up there also, Jacob. And I, I think you mentioned Perks to being a wallflower. It's actually probably my favorite. Unless you count the pulling dynamite, I don't know if the pulling dynamite counts as a coming of age story. Oh, it does. Uh, it counts okay, as well, everything, Rod. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest film ever created, bro. It, oh, it's so good. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! It's in my top ten films of all time. So don't. Hey, don't, it's don't, a classic. No, it's a it's, classic, man. I like Nacho it. Libre a little bit more, but that's just me. Nacho Libre is so good, Rod. Come on. Okay. <laughs> well, well, but but speaking of that though. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite was another first time, I think, for Jared Hess, wasn't it? So then I he went so. on to do Nacho Libre. So, I mean, he's got a yeah. pretty, I think those are his like two biggest movies, but they're both hits, in my opinion. I love both of them. I think yeah. so. You, if the audience listening, we did best directorial debuts of the 2010s, just in case you had it caught on, or if, I forgot, <laughs> if we forgot to mention it, it's probably like, why is anyone talking about Shawshank or <laughs> Citizen Kane? So we, we chose the 2010s. So. Zach, where can we find you on the, the interwebs? You can find me on uh, Instagram and Zach Loves Everything. Um, I change my profile picture at least once a day. And, yep. <laughs> and yeah, I just post whatever I want basically now. And yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Nice. How about you, Jacob? Well, you can find me on the Instagrams at uh, Jacob Beals. And then uh, the YouTube, uh, you can go there. Uh, I type in the Jacob Beals show and I'm there. And uh, yeah, just having a lot of fun talking about movies. Uh, speaking of changing my profile picture, Zach, I, I might do it soon. I think I'm going to change it to mini Stay Puff. So nice. 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 <laughs> Shout out. Breaking news for us today. <laughs> uh, and very cute breaking news, I must say. Rod. 
where can the good people find us? Nowhere. Uh, you can find us on our Instagram page at the Infinity Film Podcast, or you can email. Actually, we just changed our email, and I don't have it memorized by heart. So, well, me... that's why I asked you. <laughs> yeah. I you did. <laughs> uh, let me go ahead and pull that up real quick because we did change our email. So, our email is rb.theinfinityfilmpodcast at gmail.com. Once again, rb.theinfinityfilmpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Exciting stuff. Hopefully we get uh, some more listener emails or a listener email. That'd be cool, too. But uh, also yeah. shout out to everyone who listened to our uh, mailbag episode. Yes. That was our first one. Ben and I did. <laughs> we were surprised that Ben texted me like Saturday morning like, dude, is this real? And yeah. so I was like, I, 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 I'm not going to I'm not going to say anything. So thank you to all those who listened and sent in questions. So, yeah, thank really you very much. It we will do another one soon because that was a, a big hit all right so yeah. that'll do so, us for today yeah so for uh for ben and to our wonderful wonderful guests zach and jacob it's always a pleasure having you guys on no matter how much you get on my nerves zach um <laughs> <laughs> it's always you know we, we love having you guys on and i'm sure this won't be the last time unless you talk about nacho libre then we're going to reconsider but for all of us stay safe guys don't be like the people in texas and we're, keep wearing masks Sorry, Zach, I got to do it. That's um, okay. Stay safe, guys. And until next time, thanks for listening. We'll see you later. Nacho! All right, hold on. Anyway. Did you did you listen to uh, the uh, the plan today from... from um... Travis Scott. Yeah, from Travis Scott. Yes, I did. Day three, man. I posted how, it every day. How long is this going to go for? How long, how long uh, is this going to go for? So long as I get support, I guess. <laughs> There's people that comment, it's like, are you still going to listen to it? I'm like, yeah. So as long as Every I, week. All, like, I just list, I put it on when I'm going to work, having the background, boom, it's over with. That's the first listen. I just, so. the fact that that song comes from a Christopher Nolan movie just still. What are you talking about? When you leave a the theater, you don't hear Travis Scott going skirt, skirt in a Dolby <laughs> theater after a Christopher Nolan movie. That sounds like the perfect. <laughs> well, see, I didn't get a chance to see Tenet in theaters. I had to watch it, you know, downstairs, and I, oh. you know, so I, I couldn't. Uh, yeah, I saw it in the Dolby uh, Cinema experience. I saw it in the Dolby Theater, you know, um, yeah, <laughs> like the film, bro. I just have to go back to work or something. Work, yeah, yeah, I gotta go to bed. All right, <laughs> that's what I thought.